that's part of the the uphill battle that we deal with. Supply and demand being replaceable, a bit of a weeding out process. And if you are patient, if you do things that you love and it matters to you, you will have the money come. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Welcome to December. That is crazy. We're about to hit the January big sports job push. There always seems to be some seasonality around January, sometimes near December. You know, people are thinking more about the holidays. They're not worried about filling a position or role. So we see some. There's always a good number of jobs out there, but we see that boost really hit January. So now is a good time for you to be getting your your stuff in order. Your LinkedIn profile on point, updating your resume, writing some new versions of your cover letter, really starting to work on that stuff, I think is an important thing to think about right now as you prepare for spring internship pushes and even summer internship pushes ahead of time. And, and even, you know, just looking ahead and working for your, you know, if you're graduating in, in May, maybe you want to start working on some of that stuff now, getting some feelers out there. It's just an interesting time. So get on top of that. As you know, we try to highlight three jobs each week. Now, you don't know what you want to be unless you know what's out there. So our approach to this is to highlight jobs that you may not have considered or you may not have thought of and to introduce you to them as a concept. When I am able to talk to you about these positions and say, this is a real opportunity out there, I hope that there's somebody out there that's like, oh, wow, I never knew that was an option. That's something I'd like to consider. That's the idea behind this. So let's jump into this. Let's highlight three jobs that I checked out on the job board on workinsports.com and thought, let's have this conversation. Let's talk about them. Okay, I-9 Sports is hiring a sports coordinator. You know me. I always talk about how that term coordinator is a powerful one when you're looking for entry-level jobs, sometimes searching by the term coordinator because that's usually associated with entry-level jobs, will bring you in a bevy of jobs across the industry in a lot of different verticals saying, these are the entry-level roles if you want to be in marketing, you want to be in sales, you want to be in operations, you want to be in facility management, social media, coordinator, 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 coordinator. So this is in a sports coordinator job for I-9 Sports. If you don't know what I-9 Sports is, they are the nation's largest provider of youth sports leagues. They offer recreational sports leagues, camps, clinics for boys and girls in today's most popular sports, flag football, soccer, basketball, and baseball. They are youth sports. They are so involved on a community level. And that's the thing about working in sports. We so often talk about agents and executives and GMs and scouts and coaches, but there's a lot more than that. And working in youth sports and recreation is a really rewarding field. It's more, sports is more than just the NHL and the NBA and the Houston Astros and the Pittsburgh Penguins. There's a lot more than that. And this is one of those opportunities. It starts with youth sports. That's a generation that matters for the future. So if you're passionate about coaching, leading youth sports leagues and or, organizing clinics, check out the sports coordinator role in I-9 Sports. Check it out on workinsports.com. Uh, I like their tagline too. We are committed to our mission of helping kids succeed in life through sports. I mean, which one of us that's interested in the sports industry doesn't look back at their youth and say, yeah, playing sports made a difference for me. So you can make that difference for somebody else. Kind of cool. Okay, Gwinnett Sports Commission. Yes, I am pronouncing that correctly because I lived in Atlanta for seven years and I know that Gwinnett was a county just outside of Atlanta. They are a county just under a million residents and located in northeast of the city of Atlanta. Their sports commission, like uh, any other sports commission, 
is there to spread the word that their county is the best place for youth, collegiate, amateur, and professional athletic organizations to bring their next event to. So they're trying to bring people and events into Gwinnett County. That's what the sports commissions do. So when you see the New York Sports Commission, the Atlanta Sports Commission, the Chicago Sports Commission, or other towns and provinces and and counties, that's what they're trying to do. They are a marketing and sales arm to try to bring in organizations to their county. It's a really cool position, and we do see a lot of these. As a sales and marketing manager, you'll be part of the team marketing local events and helping to develop new leads and sales opportunities for the future. You know, in Gwinnett, I was looking at it. They have a AHL team, the Atlantic Gladiators. They have a lacrosse team. They have some local colleges. They have different events that they throw. It can really get you involved in a lot of different aspects of the industry and a lot of different sports. So it's pretty cool. I'd also like to state for the record that I started my career in the Atlanta area. So if you take this job, you will also be destined for greatness. I say that only slightly tongue in cheek. And finally, are you a swimming fan? Yes, Dianza Cupertino Aquatics is looking for a swim coach. Now, that location sounds familiar, Cupertino. It's in California, and it's where your iPhone was birthed. Well, conceived. Anyway, Apple Computer is in Cupertino, California. That's what I'm trying to get at here. Those of you in the swimming game probably know of Dianza Cupertino, but if you don't, they were founded in 1981. DACA is the premier swimming club in the Bay Area. They train world-ranked athletes. Coaches work to develop the swimmers through an age and skill-based progression of technical development and training. Yes, I stole that from their website. So if you want to get into coaching and have a passion for swimming, this is the gig for you. And again, I hope you're listening to this and saying, oh, swimming isn't my thing. But if I wanted to work in football or if I wanted to work in baseball, I might want to look for some of these regional opportunities in my area to start coaching, to start training, to start working with people. So apply this kind of knowledge that I'm giving you to your own situation. It's not just about this individual job, although that is important if you're interested in it. It's also just putting it in through your own lens. Okay, let's move on to today's question. Jacob in Boston writes in. Hey, Brian, I've listened for a long time. And one subtle theme that comes through from your guests and even yourself is that jobs in the sports industry don't always start out with very competitive salaries. Question number one, why is that? And question two, what are the career paths in sports that can make the most money? Jacob, at first when I saw your question come in, I thought, I don't like this question. But I sat on it for a few weeks and then came to the conclusion that I do actually like it. So apparently I'm a slow learner. The concept bothers me a bit, but I'll get to that a little bit later. Let's start with your first question. Why is that? Why is salary? Why do salaries tend to be a little bit lower when you're first starting out in the sports industry? Well, classic economics, supply and demand, right? There's a limited amount of jobs in the sports industry. There's a lot, but it's still limited. I mean, we have 30,000 on our job board right now, but if you go to a other uh, sites within our iHire network of sites and you search for a job like accounting, you might find 400,000, right? So- Other industries tend to be larger, but for the 30,000 jobs, there's a lot of people that would like the idea of working in sports. So there's supply and demand. When I first started in the sports industry, I was working at CNN Sports Illustrated. I made a salary that was not great. And the attitude there, and I didn't mean this in a callous Mm -hmm. way, but the attitude there was, if you're not happy with what you're getting, we can replace you tomorrow. So Being replaceable in this industry brings down your value and your leverage of what you can earn. 
And it's also a bit of a weeding out process. The sports industry is also very competitive. And if you get paid a lower salary, but still are expected to perform at a high level, some people won't do that and will just bail. Two or three years in, you start to make more money. It starts to catch up. Then you start managing. Then you start doing other things. And you get to the point where you are invaluable. You're not replaceable. And the salary is there just like it is in other industries. But there is a bit of a weeding out process that happens in our industry. And you get the best of the best that push on through that. Or those that are the most passionate, that it means the most to, and really matters to. So, hey, that's part of the, the uphill battle that we deal with. Supply and demand, being replaceable, a bit of a weeding out process. And if you are patient, if you battle through that, if you do things that you love and it matters to you, you will have the money come. It will come. It will get there. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a perfect example of that. I'm not saying that I'm rich. I'm not saying that I'm a millionaire or anything like that, but I'm very comfortable and I've worked very hard to get here. And I started out in a really low position where other friends of mine were making a lot more. So I was doing something I loved and that was more important to me. So let's transition to the second part of your question. What are the career paths that make the most money? This is the part that threw me a little bit. I will answer your question, Jacob, but it comes with a warning. You will not be happy if you only chase the money. I, I say this as sincerely as I can. You cannot just chase the money because you spend so much time at work. And if you're not doing something that you actually love, you will feel that drain. Chase the purpose, chase the passion, chase what you love, don't chase the money. Look at what's happening all around us in the last year. The great resignation. People are leaving often very good, high-paying, respected roles because they are fed up. They're burnt out. It doesn't align with who they are. They're doing something they don't love. They lack connection. They're uninspired. They don't have a great boss. They're not following their purpose. One person very close to me, like really close, is a shining example. This person left their high-paying, highly prestigious job she had been at for 10 years, completely fed up, just burnt out. And now she says, whatever job she takes next will follow her passion and purpose. 10 years of at a company of doing something that didn't inspire, but really paid well. Not good enough. Not good enough. Don't chase the money. It sounds good in theory, but it doesn't work out the way you think it will. So ask yourself the more important question, which is what are you passionate about and how can you make yourself irreplaceable? Follow that and create skills in that realm that make you special and unique. Later on this week, we're going to be sharing our best advice of 2021 episode, which is looking forward to 2022, right? With a lens on what you need to be doing to set yourself up for success. But I I was going through all of our previous interviews throughout the year, 41 different interviews we did this past year. It's a lot, a lot of questions, 41, okay, 41 interviews about 10 to 15 questions each unique to that person. That means I wrote upwards of 500 questions this year. I'm putting that in perspective and thinking, whoa, it's a lot of questions. Anyway, one of the things that stood out to me as I go back through and listen to this is Callie Franklin, who's one of my absolute favorite people, who is now the SVP of Overtime Elite and is head of talent and recruiting. She was, when I first interviewed her, the VP of Human Resources for NYCFC. But one of the things she talked about was 
making yourself special and irreplaceable. And I think that's important to remember that if you're worried about money and you're doing a job where you come in, like myself, okay, I'll use myself as an example. When I first started out as a video editor at CNN Sports Illustrated, I'm editing highlights. I had knowledge of this tool, nonlinear editing. That's what got me in the door, right? That's what got me hired. That's why I always stress that to everybody is understanding what the demands are in the marketplace. But if I was unhappy, they could have hired somebody else and brought them in and trained them for three days and had them doing my job, right? I was replaceable. So it was upon me, and that's what Callie's advising as well, to figure out what would make me irreplaceable. And that's when your value increases, when you can't be replaced overnight. You do something that is special. So that should really be your focus and your passion. How do you turn your love, your passion, your purpose into a specialized in-demand skill that would be hard for others to duplicate? To give it another point of reference here, in the investing world, if you were investing in stocks, right, and you're analyzing companies, there is a term that gets used for companies. It's called having a moat, right? It's literally the concept of an area of water around a castle that is your preventative of anybody coming. It's your defense against anybody coming into your castle. So now imagine you're a business and you're being evaluated to say, well, what is your moat? What is your defensive advantage? How hard would it be for somebody else to come in and replicate what you're doing? So if, if you're a company and you have a moat, that means if you have a narrow moat or a wide moat, that means that you have, you're doing something that is not easily duplicated or replicated. Somebody can't just go in and say, I'm going to be Microsoft tomorrow. They have this massive foothold. They have this intellectual property. They have this unique edge to them, right? So they have a wide moat. They're not replaceable. But if you just create another thing that other people are creating, then you don't have any kind of a moat. It could be duplicated tomorrow. Google could just decide like, I'm going to do that idea and I'm going to do it better tomorrow, right? So it's this question of what makes you special and unique. Layer that into your ideas about what make you are passionate about, and you will then demand the money. I am going to ask you answer your question, Jacob, but I really feel like I have an obligation to give you perspective in this, is to continue on this path of your passion and what interests you and what you will love doing and create scarcity versus just hunting for a job that is going to end up with a high paycheck. Okay. What makes you special and different and irreplaceable? In sales, maybe it's the relationships and connections that you have. In marketing, maybe it's your knowledge of data and analytics to drive decisions. If you're a content creator that you've built an amazing following on YouTube, that is a unique asset you can leverage. What makes you special and irreplaceable? Scarcity is what influences salary. The fact that you can't be replaced easily, make someone willing to pay you to exist in their organization. See the formula? Okay, so now I'm going to get to your actual answer. Look, I'm going to bypass the obvious. Coaches can make a ton of money, but just being a coach doesn't guarantee it. There's a lot of coaches out there at high schools and smaller colleges and they're not making that much money and they're still working a crazy grind. So that's not like a guaranteed path to, you know, Brian Kelly at LSU with his fake Southern accent making, you know, $95 million guaranteed. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family and we are so excited 
to be in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly. He's from Everett, Massachusetts. I'm from Massachusetts. Everett is very close to Boston. He has probably the harshest Boston accent there could possibly be. And he shows up in Louisiana at LSU and starts talking with a Southern drawl. I found that offensive. I found that very patronizing. So I'm a little fired up about it. Nonetheless, I'll get back on track. Agents can make a ton of money. So you think Lee Steinberg, who signs uh, Patrick Mahomes to a billion-dollar contract, and he gets a piece of that action? Okay, he's making good money. But I will tell you, there are thousands of agents that never get to that point, that fall off every year, that sign undrafted free agents, that never get a second contract and never make any money and put a lot of money up front and don't ever get anything back for it. Not easy. They can make a ton of money, but overwhelming majority don't. The real career path in sports that has the highest earnings upside is sales. Any revenue-creating role will always have a spot in organizations, since it is a straight line to dollar-dollar bills, y'all. I can't believe I just said that. Nonetheless, it is a straight line to money for the organization. That is how organizations thrive and what they are graded on and how they get all the fancy things in their existence and hire hire the next great coach and bring in the great free agents and have a new facility, revenue dollars. So entry-level sales roles may seem tough. Inside sales gigs, peddling tickets can be brutal, but the upside towards sponsorship sales, premium sales, partner deals, and more is huge. Plus, the career ceiling is ridiculously high. Commissions are big, which means you get what you, you get what you can contribute, right? So this is what I mean by don't chase the money. In sales, you have a high ceiling. You could get into anything after that. You are a proven revenue generator, but it's not for everybody. So if you're just chasing, the, oh, sales makes the most money, I'm going to go into sales. Well, if you're not passionate about it, you're not good at it, you don't care about it, you don't bring your all to it, you're not going to get commissions, you're not going to close deals, you're not going to make that magical connection of what that salespeople need. I could never survive in sales. I'd be terrible at it. I know that and I identify that in myself. I followed my passion, the money came. Now, if you are in a deciding making point and you're like, oh, should I go into sales or should I go into marketing? I think I have passion for both. Yeah, if you're going to judge by the money, like the upside is really high in sales. The upside is really, really high in sales. But the, again, the overall ceiling is limitless. My bosses during my media career, GMs of stations and networks, weren't all journalists. They were many of the GMs and VPs come from a sales background because at the end of the day, it's all about generating revenue and understanding the flow of money. So again, I just want to reiterate, if you only want to chase the money, sales is probably your path. Now, if you love the idea of sales, and I know a lot of people that do that are super, super good at it, right? Felicia Douglas, I'm looking at you. Laura Wilhelm, I'm looking at you. Other people in our organization that are really great, I'm looking at you. Other people I know in the sports industry, I don't want to leave anybody out. I always feel bad when I do that. But there's hundreds of people I know that work in sports sales. Carl Manto, Brett Bibby. Sorry, I'm, it's like Tourette's now. I just have to keep throwing out names. Nonetheless, um, if you love the idea of working in sales and see that as the career path that fits you, go for it. If you're just chasing the money though, it's not going to work. So again, I cannot stress enough, whatever career choice you make, it should be aligned with who you want to be and what makes you feel wonderful. Seriously. I know it may sound cheesy, but it should, it should be that way. That should be the ideal that you set for. You should all enjoy your work. And then as you learn, improve and grow, try to take all the things you've learned 
and figure out how to make yourself unique and special so that you create leverage and scarcity so that you can continue to make more and more money that makes you feel even more satisfied. Thank you, Jacob, for a question that challenged me to get to the point of what I want you to know versus what you asked. Because what I want you to know is that you should follow your passion. But I understand a lot of people are guided more by money, so I wanted to at least give you the answer that you were seeking. Thank you for listening, everybody. As I said, on Wednesday is our end of year best career advice of 2021. Now, it's not fully end of year. We have four more episodes coming up featuring some of our best guests of 2021, but this is where we bring together some of the best content, the best pieces, the best nuggets of advice that can change your career arc and it puts you on the right step for 2022. So make sure to tune in for that on Wednesday. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe and be a part of our community. I love having you all here. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you and good night. I think that's somebody else's line.